busyness. It's something we can all relate to. We did a, uh, a survey a while back and asked you, what is the biggest thing that you're struggling with? And you said busyness, overburdened, overstressed, and we're going to be taking a look at that for the, the next couple weeks as well. Welcome to those who are watching online uh, in your own homes around the country and around the world and also to our micro campuses. We are glad you're tuned in with us and we love you. Uh, you know, you think about there's mortal enemies in this, in this world. You think about there that, that light is the enemy of darkness, right? And heat and, uh, and sunshine is the enemy of ice and snow. You have the mongoose that is the enemy of the, of the cobra. If you are on a diet, calories are your enemies, right? If you are, uh, you know, if you're allergic, if you have allergies that pollen or whatever you're allergic to is your, is your enemy. And, and those are, you know, some, some funny things too, but, but you know, in reality, there's something that is truly a mortal enemy in your life that is, that is a mortal enemy of the thing that is the most important in your life. Because the Bible says that the two most important things in this world are your relationship with, with God and your relationship with other people. And anything else, everything else in our life is just gravy on the potatoes, right? So there's something that is an, an enemy to that. In fact, and that's busyness. Charles Swindoll puts it like this. He puts it in some pretty graphic words. He says, busyness rapes relationships. It substitutes shallow frenzy for deep friendship. It promises satisfying dreams, but delivers hollow nightmares. It feeds the ego, but it starves the inner man or the inner woman. It fills the calendar, but it fractures the family. It cultivates a program, but it plows under priorities. And there are definitely some casualties to busyness in our life, isn't it? First one is the, it's our relationship with, with God. Because how many times have we said this? Have we thought this? Have you heard this? Where somebody would say, or maybe it came out of your own mouth, or at least you thought this, is I don't have time to read my Bible today because I'm so, what's the word? Because we're so, so busy. And, and people, I hear this all the time, you know, that uh, somebody, they haven't come for a few weeks and said, hey, missed you for a while. Well, you know, what's, what's going on? And I've never had anybody say, well, we became atheists. We stopped believing in God. Never had anybody say, you know, that we really don't think church is that important anymore. It's almost always, you know, we just, we've just been so, we've just been so busy. Or prayer life. I mean, that's, prayer life goes out the window when we're so busy, doesn't it? And, and in fact, if we're praying, if we actually take time to pray, we're thinking about all the things that we have to do. I'll tell you one thing that one way I can tell that my life is getting out of, out of whack and a little too busy. It's when in my prayer time that I spend about half the time or more praying, God, help me with this and help me do 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 this. That it's all about God helping me do, 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 do. And here's the thing that we need to understand. The reason we were created on this earth, that God made us, that our creator made us, is to have intimacy with him. And if we are too busy for God, we're too busy. And we just need to realize that. Another thing, it, not only does it, it hurt our relationship with, with God, it also hurts our relationship with other people as well, doesn't it? Because one thing relationship requires, relationship requires two things. It requires time and it requires energy. And one thing about busyness is it saps both of those things. It saps our time and it saps our energy. It saps us so much emotionally and, and physically and everything that there's times we just don't have time. We don't have the energy to do relationship anymore. 
anymore. And the thing is, it's really sad also that that's really what happens with the breakdown of marriages so much, isn't it? That, we, that, that the romance that started it, that, that began the whole thing, that, you, that, that that's been put on the back burner because of do, 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 do. And even physical intimacy goes to the back burner as, as well if it happens at all. And, and I know the singles are in here going, I'd find time for that, I guarantee you what. But there's something too, as those of us who are married, we realize that sometimes we can get so busy that even the physical intimacy, can, can, we can lose the romance and we can lose the intimacy. Something else that, that oh, and something we have to realize too is, is stress uh, can, or you know, busyness can lead to, to stress, which, means, which leads to a breakdown in relationship. And I bet you that most of us could say that the tension in our family, whatever it is, or if it's high or if it's low, is, is really determined to a great degree based on the busyness in our life, that this over here leads to tension over, over here. It also breaks down our relationship with the world as well. There's a, a, a seminary professor that had 15 people in his class, and he, he decided he was going to do a kind of a test, and he, gave, he gave the, put them into to groups of, of five, three groups of five. And to the first group, he said, you need to get to the other side of the campus. It was about a 12-minute trip to the other side of the campus. And he said, you have 15 minutes. When I say go, you have 15 minutes to get over there. You have just enough time if you don't do anything anything else, you have just enough time to make it and your grade will be determined by whether you make it on time or not. And then the, the other group, he said, you've got 45 minutes to make it to the other side. And that means you've got plenty of time, but you can't dilly-dally too much or you're going to miss it getting to the other side. The other five, he said, you've got all afternoon. You've got until five o'clock. That was five hours. You've got five hours to make it to the other side. You've got plenty of time. And they say, he said, on your mark, get set, go. And they took off. But here's the thing that they didn't realize that, that the professor had set up some things with, he had gotten some drama students from a nearby university. And, and so the very first people, person that they ran into, somebody on the way, was going to be somebody that was a homeless person that needed food. The next person was somebody that was obviously, obviously distraught, that, that he was crying in his, in his hands. And the third person needed immediate medical attention. And it's, you, we could understand that the, the first people, the first group that had to make it, had no time to dilly-dally, none of them stopped to help any of the people along the way. The second group, two of the five people helped somebody along the way. And the last group, all five of the seminary students helped people along the way. The, the only difference was the busyness, right? It was the stress. And we understand that, that, that I don't think there's anybody in here that, that if, if, if for anybody in here that's not involved in ministry, I bet you it's not because you don't think ministry is important. I bet you it's not because you don't think your life pouring into another life is worth that. I bet it's not because that you don't feel satisfaction and joy and realize that that's why you were created. I bet that's not why you, you, you're not involved in ministry. I almost guarantee you it's because of, of time. It's because of saying a busyness. And the Bible says this, that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for, for us to, to do. And again, I will say, if we are too busy to do what we were created to do, which is make a difference in this world, then we are too busy and something is out of whack. And really, I may I suggest that something needs to change that we can have that intimacy with God, that we can be involved in a ministry. What is the thing that's keeping you from those two things? And is it, is it worth it? 
Another th- so what we're going to take a look at today, we're going to look at someone who was absolutely the poster child for busyness. I mean, this person personifies busyness. They're put in the Bible. And what we're going to see is even though this was written several thousand years ago, we're going to see this as if it was written today. And here's what I want you to, 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 to take a look at. We're going to lay, take a look at a, na- a lady named Martha. And I want you to look at her mindset. And I want you to see the difference this mindset made in her life. And I want you to see how Jesus reacted to this mindset, okay? So here's the background. Uh, You've got Martha and Mary. You've got two sisters who's also the brother. uh, Their brother is Lazarus, who Jesus later on will raise from the dead. But this is the first encounter that we have with Mary and Martha. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But, big but right there, Martha was distracted, huge word right there, by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it won't be taken from her. So get the picture. Mary and Martha have invited Jesus into their home as their guest, which is hospitality is huge in the Middle East if you've never, if you've never been there. And so Martha goes into to work mode. She immediately goes into to, to, to-do list mode and get everything done mode and everything. And Mary sits at Jesus' feet. And I want you to understand that Martha is not doing something evil. She's not doing something bad. She's, but here's the thing, that, that somewhere in the midst of this, she gets distracted. And that word distracted is a really powerful word because it's a compound word in the, in the Greek. It's the only time this word is mentioned in the, in the Bible, in the, uh, in the Greek. And so, and what it really is, you break down the words and, and, it's, uh, and it means this. The first word is, is to, uh, to, to drag and the other is around. So it literally means to drag around. And what a perfect picture. You know, a few weeks ago, I saw a little kid that, and I mean a little bitty kid that had a puppy on a leash. And, and he was not taking the puppy for a walk. He was taking the puppy for a drag. Do you know what I mean? And the little puppy was sitting there with everything it had. First, it's doing this, you know, and trying, trying, trying not. But the, 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 the child was relentless. And pretty soon, the puppy's just being drugged like this and can't even get to its feet. And I thought, what a perfect example. Isn't that the perfect word of, of, of what distraction does? It, it, we find ourselves being drugged by something or someone or, or anything, a force or a, an idea or a lie or a thought or something. We find ourselves being drugged by it this way and that and, and we find somebody else pulling the strings and we find somebody else and we're just worn out in this. That little puppy, I will never forget the little puppy looked at me and it was like, I don't speak puppy, but it was like that puppy said, please, dear heaven, tase this child, right? And just please do something to get me free. And maybe some of us are in there too, that we are so busy, we're so distracted, there's something in us saying, please, please, please do something to break me free from this busyness that, that, uh, cycle that I'm, that I'm in. And here's the, uh, some, some points to, to ponder also. Not only does, oh, think of, the, think of the English word too. Think of the English word of distract. Right? Dis, you break that down and that means to against or it means off and track. We're talking about a track, right? 
It's, it's almost a picture of a train being, being taken off the track of a train. And we've all seen those, those, those pictures in the, in the westerns or we've seen the pictures in the cartoons where the, the villain grabs the track and moves the track from one to the other and, and it moves it into a head-on collision and moves it to where it's, it goes off a cliff or something like that or just away from where it's supposed to be. And, and isn't that a perfect description of what happened in, in Martha's life? She was heading down a great track. I mean, hospitality to Jesus is a really, really good thing. But somehow she got her priorities all mixed up and somehow just things got out of whack and she was heading towards a a head-on collision too. And and we can get distracted even by things that that are good. And watch how out of whack she gets. And that's the second thing. Busyness causes us to lose perspective. Look at verse 40 again. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I want you to get this picture. I want you to picture that you are there. And here's what happens. Martha comes storming in. Jesus is teaching, okay? And she stops the whole sermon. She stops the whole message because she's so distraught. Okay, so first she breaks in on Jesus' sermon and then she confronts Jesus Christ and then not only does she confront him she accuses him and says you're doing the wrong thing don't you care you don't even care about the things and then here's the wild thing she tells Jesus what to do about it think things maybe gotten out of hand first he's supposed to be the guest now she's confronting the guest accusing the guest accusing Jesus and telling him how he actually should be doing things And maybe some of us, we have gotten so busy that we can get things out of whack too. Have you ever accused God of doing something wrong? I really highly advise not doing that. Uh, because that's, you know, God does not get into that at, uh, at all. The other thing is, but then I bet some, every one of us at one time or another have told God what to do, haven't we? And I said, you know, God, in this situation, I, you know, I happen to be an expert and I really believe that this is what you need to do in my life at this time. This is what you need to do in the world. This is what you need to do for whatever. This is it. This is how I advise you doing that because you're just the Lord of creation and I'm, I'm who I am, right? And so, I mean, we can get completely out of whack. But how about this one? Jesus was the one who the whole thing, the whole party was about and now he became the burden. He became the pain and, and everything. And think of this, can we get so out of whack that the blessing becomes a burden? Can we get so out of whack that, our, that we get so busy that our children can become a burden instead of a blessing? Can we become so out of whack and so distracted and so off, off kilter that, that our spouse can become a burden rather than a blessing? That uh, the, the ministry that God has given us has become, you know, I've seen that. I've seen that happen before. I've seen people that get so involved in ministry, which is a wonderful, incredible, wonderful thing, but they're not getting fed. They're not taking proper care of themselves and things, and they get burnout, burnout, and the very people that they go to love can become a, a burden to them. It can become a frustration, and, and, and they can become cynical over the very people. And I'm not talking just professional. I'm talking anybody that does anything with, with ministry if we don't care for our, uh, ourselves, take, take care. So we can, it causes us to, to lose perspective in a uh, in a big way another thing Jesus watch how he answers this don't miss this Jesus answered her um, and said this Martha Martha he doesn't just say it once he says it twice now this is not quite the three times thing that Jan Brady said of Marsha 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 right but this is this is still two of the things that he goes can you picture this he doesn't just say Martha he says Martha Martha 
And can you imagine, just, can you just picture him shaking his head and just like his shoulders going down as he, as he says that? The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed and Mary has chosen what is, what is better. There's a big difference, Jesus is saying, between what is urgent and what is important. And where, where was the urgent? I mean, the urgent was in the kitchen, right? But where was the important? The important was sitting at Jesus' feet. And maybe the urgent in our life, sometimes the urgent can be in the, at, at work, but the important can be at home. Maybe the, the urgent is to get the house clean, but maybe the important thing is to make sure we get the house dirty because we're playing with our kids. Maybe the, 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 most, the urgent thing is at the boardroom. Maybe the important thing is in the bedroom. Maybe the, the urgent thing is to, is to open up the computer and get all that work done. Maybe the important thing is to, to sit at Jesus' feet and just, just or to, to open up the Bible instead of just the, com, the computer. And where's the, notice this too. The second thing is there's a difference between what's good and what's best. There's a word there that is really important. It's the word better. She has chosen what is better. Jesus didn't say that what she is doing is sinful. What she is doing is wrong. That's not it. He's saying there's a good and there's a better. There's a better, there's a best. There's, there's, there's priorities that are bigger than the others. And don't miss this. Don't miss this. He is saying to her, You believe that the most important thing you could be doing right now is the to-do list. And don't miss this. He says, Martha, you're wrong. There's something more important than the to-do list. And she is expecting, this had to absolutely frost her cornflakes, right? Because she is absolutely in, in, in get it done mode. And she's saying, she's expecting Jesus to confront her sister and say, and rebuke her sister and say, get over and help your sister. And instead, who does he rebuke? He rebukes Martha and saying, be more like your sister, Martha. There's time to work and there's a time to relax. There's a time to to sit at my feet. And what she is doing is better than what you're doing. Even though what you're doing isn't evil, there's a better than uh, than that. And, uh, and, you know, why do you suppose Martha invited Jesus to to her house? Don't you think it's to hang out with him? But she missed the whole thing. And isn't there, there's a, there's a good and there's a better. I mean, it's really good to study, right? But not if it's taking place of something else and it's in school and making sure you're having quiet times and spending time with God and, and things. And it's really do, good to do the work, but, but not if it means that you never do anything for anybody, anybody else. And in ministry, I'll tell you this, it would be very easy for me and anybody in ministry can, can tell you this. That it would be very easy to be so involved doing ministry all day that you forget who you're doing it for. It'd be very easy. I mean, every day of my life, I have to remember who I'm doing it for and make sure that, that that's the most important thing and not just getting ministry involved. That sitting at his feet is more important. And the most important thing I can do for me, the most important thing I can do for my, for my, you know, for my family, the most important thing I can do for you is not just do, 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 do ministry, ministry. The most important thing I can do is sit at Jesus' feet and hear from him and pour, let him pour into me so then I can pour into, so he can feed me so I can feed, feed others. And something else is a friend of mine, a couple, you know, what he did is, is he said, you know, for a couple weeks, we're not going to be here because we're going to be, we're going to be building our house. That's a good thing, right? No problem with that. That was two years ago and I haven't seen him since then. Things again, a good thing that all of a sudden gets torn out of, you know, off track and going into something, something else. 
And, and the third thing is activity should never take priority over people. I want to say that again. Activity should never take priority over people. There's a true story supposedly about two guys that are going down the Mississippi River, two riverboat captains. And they start getting into a little friendly competition of who's going to get down the, down the river faster. So one of them starts you know, putting a little more coal in, the, in there and starts going a little bit ahead. And the, the other guy, all, right, all of a sudden, testosterone is kicking in. And he's not going to get beat. So he's, he's putting in way more coal than he's supposed to, too, to, to not only catch up but to get a little bit of ahead. And this guy realizes that he's getting behind. So he starts ripping up the furniture and getting that and putting that in there to make sure he gets ahead. And this guy, not to be outdone, not only puts the furniture in, but puts the very cargo that he's carrying in and burns it up. And you know what? He won, but he lost, didn't he? He lost the very purpose of why he's on the river to begin with. And sometimes, you know, when we are in the rat race, we can win. We can win and still lose everything. We can, we can win the rat race and still be a rat. We can win the rat race and lose everything that's really, really important in, in life, can't we? And so, but here's what we have to remember. That people are always more important than things. That, that the people in your school are more important than, 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 the, than the school. That the people at your work are more important than the work. That your people in the church are more important than, you know, I mean, I'm just going on. You could go on. That people are more important than the to-do list of what we, what we do. And here's something that, please never forget this. She, she says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. A lot of what we do in life may be measurable in the short run, but it is either ne- neither measurable nor memorable in the long run. And what do I mean by that? I want you for a moment to pretend that you are Martha. And for many people in here, that's not a hard thing to, to picture, is it? I mean, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of Marthas and Martys in this, in this room. A lot of them, right? I mean, because, because we can relate to that. We're driven people. We're, we love that. We love to accomplish. We love to do that things. That's how we're wired. That's how we're geared. But, so, but I want us to picture that for a moment because, again, if that thing can get out of whack, I want you to ma- imagine that you're Martha and somebody's interviewing and say, what happened when Jesus came? To, what did you do when Jesus came to your house? And what would you say? I, I was in the kitchen. I was preparing. I was doing all these things. I was, you know, and then they interviewed you and said, what did you get out of it? A month later, as you look back a month, what would you say and go, wow, right? But then if you interviewed Mary, if you were Mary in the same thing, and, and Jesus, somebody interviewed you a month later, and they said, what did you do? I sat at Jesus' feet. What did you get out of it? And you could go, oh, man, it was this and this and this and this. Because here's the thing that we forget about with intimacy. It doesn't seem like it's the most important thing right now. It seems like the to-do list is the most important thing right now. But what we'll have in eternity, what we'll have later, what we'll have at the end of the day, at the end of our life, isn't the results of the to-dos. Because you know the to-dos can always be taken away. The job always can be taken away. The money can always be taken away. The prestige can always be taken away. The influence can always be taken away. The one thing that can't be taken away is the memories and the influence and the impact that we've had on other, on other people. That's the thing. That's why intimacy is more important. But it's kind of sneaky. 
And the third, the last thing is our busyness is probably driven by something that we aren't even aware of. Uh, if you were to ask Martha, why did you do everything? She'd go, I did it for Jesus. Of course, I did it for Jesus. But you look back and you would really dig a little deeper and she's not doing it for Jesus. She's doing it for something. There is something that is driving her to do it. There's not something, she is not being led to do this. She is being driven. And there's the big difference. Being driven is always a bad thing. Being led by God is always a good thing. And so many of us are, are in here, we are more driven than we are led in life. And, and just here's maybe some of the things we'd say of, of what is, what's driving your busyness? Maybe we'd say something like this, I won't make it in life. What's it? I won't be accepted. By who? I'll fall behind. Behind who? I won't measure up. I won't measure up to who? I won't measure up to, to what? I'll disappoint someone. Who are you going to disappoint? Uh, can I just be, I'm going to be vulnerable here with something that happened in, uh, in my life. I love my mom and I have great memories. I have almost nothing but fantastic memories of my mom. She was the most courageous person I ever met. And a lot of any good qualities I might have are from my, from my mom. Um, and, and my dad, but, but here's the thing, but she was imperfect just like we are as parents and just like your parents were. And there was one time that she, she wounded me and, uh, and here's how, what happened. We had a thing at the elementary school I was going to, they, they would have a, uh, an award ceremony at the end that she'd give it to the, they'd have given an award to the best student, best athlete, the best citizen, the best, there were two or three other things. And I was supposed to win all these awards. And I remember mom came there and she was so ready for this. And I came in second in academics and second in athletics and second in citizenship and second in those. I'm thinking that's not too bad. Second out of all the students and things. I came home and I saw my mom on her bed weeping. And I remember saying, I remember saying, mom, I'll never let you down again. And I remember going to my porch, my front porch and making that inner vow. And for so many years I was driven by that. And I remember it wasn't really until college that I understood that I was being driven instead of being led. And, there's, and here's the thing. I love, and this is one thing that was great about my mom, that there was, there's the thing of saying, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. This is from the Bible. As working for the Lord and not for men, it's the Lord Jesus Christ you're serving. A- excellence and, and doing the best you can at whatever it is, that's a good thing. But somehow it can somehow be twisted and become a driven thing. And somehow we can be, and here's the thing, if we're, if we're driven in life, I almost guarantee it's because of two things. Either, either because of, of a lie that we've believed, right? About ourselves or about something else or about what success is really in life or about what's really important, what priorities should be and what all that or, or, or it's because of a wound that we have. And we're going to show somebody, we're going to live up to an inner vow that we made somewhere and some, somehow. And if you find yourself that you're a driven person, what's the lie you're believing? What's the lie you're believing about yourself? What's the lie? Because I love the song that we just sang. And God is a God that's going to break through every lie. And today I believe he's going to break through some lies. Why am I so driven by what I do? Why do I have to be so busy that I run around like a chicken with my head cut off? Or what, what's the, what is the... What's the, the, what's the other thing? What's the, the wound that I have? What's the wound? 
Why am I so, what is the wound that I'm covering up with all this activity? What's the thing that I'm trying to fill this emptiness, fill this void, fill this hurt, fill this whatever? And that's what I pray that we just ask ourselves for a moment. What's the wound? What's the lie that, we, that, that we're doing that, we, that is driving us to, to all this act, fervent activity? Because like the riverboat captain, we can, be, we can win the race and lose what's really important in life. You and I were created for intimacy with God. Is there something that is, that is distracting you from that prayer life, from spending time in God's word, from spending time in, in, in worship? Uh, is there, you know, we were also created for ministry. Is there something that's distracting you that we're so busy that we can't be involved in other people's lives because we're so busy doing our, doing our own life? And what is the wound that, or what is the lie that we're believing? If we can pray. God, thank you that you will kick down every wall and that you will break through every lie and tell us the truth. So God, for our drivenness, all of us who are driven, God, here's our prayer. We want to be led by you, not driven. Again, we want to carry your yoke upon and not the world's or not ours or not anybody else's expectation of us. We want to carry your burden because you say your burden is easy and it's light and we are overburdened and we are too busy. And so God, help order our, order our steps. Help us to find that balance with intimacy with you and intimacy with others. Investing our life in this kingdom and God to, um, to do things with excellence but not with drivenness. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.